Today's show is brought to you by the letter G and the number 45. This is the More Than a Drunk podcast. I am Joseph. Welcome. Uh, first off, as always, this show is for entertainment purposes only. It is not medical advice. I am not a medical expert. Merely giving my life's experience uh, to you through um, basically online radio. If you do find yourself having troubles or struggles or, or needing any sort of actual medical advice, seek out a medical expert, one of those people that has the little certificate on the on the wall, the piece of paper from some fancy university that they paid a lot of money for. Go talk to them and then come back here and you can listen in. That's fine. If you have comments, questions, concerns, or just want to reach out to me for any reason whatsoever, email is more than a drunk at gmail.com. Again, more than a drunk at gmail.com. I am on Twitter. Well, I am. I have a Twitter account. I don't use it very often, but I have it at more than a drunk. Shoot me a message over there when I check it once a week or so. I will see it. With all of that said, Away we go. What do you turn to when you need help? And there is a program out there that offers help to a lot of people, but it doesn't work for you. That's the uh, that's the boat I'm in with Alcoholics Anonymous, AA. It, uh, it's a great program. It's helped millions of people, but when I go to it, it kind of has the opposite effect. It makes me, it makes me want to drink more than before I went there. And now I, I've only been to a few meetings, uh, tried a couple different groups to see if maybe, you know, maybe it's just this group or that group, but it seems, I mean, across all of them, it's basically the same. It's, a whole lot of discussions about drinking and people wanting to drink, which then makes you want to drink. Uh, and then by the end of it, you're needing to go to another meeting so you can just talk about drinking some more. That's that's basically what I got out of, out of all of it. Um, like I said, it, it works for a lot of people. It, it is odd. I've, I've heard, heard from a few folks. Recently, I kind of outed myself on Facebook, uh, hoping to in- inspire anyone, really, uh, to to take up the mantle of not drinking. And, uh, and, and I heard from a number of people that, you know, friends, family in their life, or even themselves personally, that even after years and years of, uh, being sober, they still find themselves going to AA meetings on a fairly regular basis. And for me, that was that was one of the things that scared me before I got sober was the idea that it's going to be this incredibly hard, painful, long slog, and it's I'm going to have to live with these intense cravings every day for the rest of my life. And that's not entirely true. It's it, it hasn't been easy. Uh, it hasn't been as hard as I thought it would be. Uh, and, and the cravings aren't nearly as intense now that I'm ninety some odd days into it. Then it was then then I thought it would be based partly on like folks who go to AA and and folks who you know even years into it still go on you know daily weekly basis to it. Um, I I think it is worth 
to worth it to look at kind of some of the history why AA was created. Now, if we go back in time, and people have been been dealing with uh, alcoholism probably forever, probably since the the first guy discovered that if you put water and some yeast and hops and various things uh, in together, you'll get alcohol and get drunk. It uh, it's it's interesting. I was listening to a podcast, and and the the desire for humans to alter their mental state, it's just kind of ever present. You know, like when kids when they when they like getting dizzy, well, that's their version of getting drunk. It's kind of odd to think, but um, that's that's what this. And I think it was a psychologist or somebody like that that was that was stating it. And I mean, you look back in time. You have you, know, you have folks like um, like Winston Churchill, famous alcoholic, um, going way back in time. The um, father of Alexander the Great. His name escapes me right now. Um, I'll probably remember it in about thirty seconds here. Anyway, so the father of Alexander the Great, notorious alcoholic, uh, and that's part of the reason why he died at a somewhat young age leaving Alexander in charge of Greece at the age of, like, 20. And then he goes on to conquer most of the known world, at least to his people. So alcohol, adjusting mental states, all that kind of stuff, it's, it's just kind of part of what we do. And, of course, then whenever you do that, you have people who co- go too deep into it. Uh, and so you look back, um, the earliest recorded things that I, I found were these penitent bands uh, done by the Methodists in uh, the late Middle Ages, uh, you know, 1600s, early, you know, 1700s, probably you know, there might even be some of them still up to today. But basically it was, you know, they'd get together on Saturday night and uh, they would talk about, pray, all that kind of stuff about their various addictions, uh, whether it's alcohol or gambling or, chasing women, what, what have you. Um, and so that kind of, kind of the idea of tying recovery with religion, you know, more or less kind of started there, which, um, you know, the, the modern theme of getting away from religion is, is somewhat modern. I, I think there's, there's times throughout history where it kind of waxes and wanes based on, you know, whatever the dominant religion has, has been and what, the dominant culture is, but tying those two together has has gone on for some time. Um, so then, you know, fast forwarding from from those folks to the early 1900s in America. Um, obviously, we have the the temperance movement, which led to prohibition, which worked wonderfully. You know, let's just let's just outlaw alcohol. That that'll solve all of our problems. You know, because that, you know. Especially from the seventies on, and we've proven that again. And uh, oh, one, one thing, one thing I've, I found with that is kind of interesting is in the nineteen twenties. Uh, so, so this would have been in, in Russia. So after the the, the communists took over the Soviets, um, they act, they even tried out prohibition, which is baffling when when you consider the uh, the the stereotype of of Russians nowadays, you know, raging raging drunks on their uh, on their vodka. 
So anyway, uh, fast forwarding a little bit more, a uh, gentleman by the name of Bill Wilson, who's one of the founders of AA, um, obviously he struggled with alcohol and he'd been hospitalized several times. And throughout all of this period, alcoholism was seen as some sort of moral failing. You know, you are not worthy of, of God's love or, or what have you if you're an alcoholic. And Bill, one of his doctors, kind of shared with him, told him, and it, it, I think it sunk in, that no, it's not a moral failing. Alcoholism is a disease. And, and a disease that we can then treat through, you know, various programs. And so that was kind of like the initial light bulb. And, and Bill was attending uh, various groups in his area in, in Ohio. And I, so he was attending those and kind of, kind of getting an idea with that, but he was still, still struggling, still falling off the wagon from time to time. Well, one time I guess he was, he was drunk and he was sick of it. And so he's like, you know, prayed to God saying, show me, you know, show yourself to me and show me the path. And, and then Bill had, had a vision and God showed himself to Bill. And that's kind of where AA started, more or less. Um, him and him and a man by the name of Bob Smith. They kind of got together, started the meetings, broke off from the initial group to create uh, their own. And I don't think it was AA at the time. But then they wrote a book, um, which is now known as The Big Book in AA. But the title of it's actually Alcoholics Anonymous. And so the, the big book lays out the 12 steps and it, you know, the alcoholic has to find a God and give himself to that God, declaring himself to be powerless over booze. And I'm, you know, I'm paraphrasing there a little bit, you know, for, forgive me there, but, uh, that's, that's kind of the, one of the big problems I have with AA one, it, it really seems like a cult to me, you know, they're, they're not going to, you know, remote locations and drinking kool-aid but it's it's very much it seems just kind of looking at it everything is designed to get you back into a meeting you know going out there talking with your sponsor oh not, let's get into another meeting and you know tomorrow what meeting you're going to go to and did you read the book today you know because the book will tell you to go to a meeting and call your sponsor and call someone else and become a sponsor to someone else and it, it's it's odd because AA is you know it, it's not like you have to pay money to attend the meetings you know they 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 members donate and that's I guess how they have the funds they need to do what they do everything it, it just seems everything's designed to get you back in there so so that's problem let's say one B problem one A is is the whole that you're powerless over alcohol. You know, if I have no power, how how can I possibly ever be sober for any length of time? And that kind of leads into the the whole, you know, labeling yourself former alcoholic as opposed to I used to be an alcoholic. Any of that, you know, at, at, at some point, I I think you get enough power over. I, I agree. When you're an alcoholic, you have no power over alcohol. Because it is it is ruling your life on a day to day basis, but then at some point you stop that you you sever that connection and you fight through the god awful times to get to the other side, to where then you have some power. You know it'll never be to where I 
For me, it'll never be to where I can just sit down and have a beer after dinner some night. Uh, I, you know, I'll have my root beer. Uh, WBC, it's, I got it at Costco. WBC root beer, Chicago style. It is delicious. And it's in a lovely brown bottle. So I kind of get, you know, it's, it's, it's enough of, enough trickery, but then the taste is nowhere near there. And then they're like, you know, 50 cents a piece. And, and they're sweet enough to where initially after I quit drinking, uh, my sweet tooth grew about eight sizes, like the Grinch's heart. Uh, it, it's since shrunk back down, uh, thanks to medication from doctors, because, uh, you know, an enlarged sweet tooth, it generally is not a good thing. Uh, no, so anyway, it's, it's sweet enough to where I only want one. And, but you know, it's just, it, it's now getting to the point to where that, that kind of hits the spot after dinner and I'm done. I'm good. Let's move on with something else. So, yeah. So I, I, I feel I've gotten some degree of power over alcohol to it, to at least to where I can say no to it, you know, and, and if, and that's, that's really all the power I need for the rest of my life is just to be able to say no to it. Now there's 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 been days to where that has really been hard. Alcohol has has really leaned, you know, evil brain, if you will, has has kind of created lots of excuses to drink to get that power back. But then that's that's when you, you know, if you go to a a group meeting or therapist or whatever, you can and you start developing strategies to identify those triggers. And, and identify when you have a craving or, you know, ideally you want to identify the, the situation well before it happens so you can prep yourself. But sometimes you can't, you know, just things happen. You know, you have a stressful day or, um, oh, last week I was going through, uh, through, through a bit of, uh, being overwhelmed and my brain was just like shutting down. And usually the first thing I would do is reach for the bottle of crown, pour myself a shot and kind of work through it. But I was able to kind of in that moment realize like, oh, this is when I would normally drink, but I can't do that now. So now what do I do? And then and then you kind of work on that and you build those bricks in your wall that is walling off alcohol, you know, putting it in its little jail cell along with evil brain. Sometimes I, I feel like evil brain is, you know, the, the cartoon villain to where every every episode it fails and gets thrown in jail, and then the next episode it's back out causing mayhem. To me, that's that's evil brain. Uh, in the past, a lot the last couple times I tried to quit, or even moderate, it it was pretty successful at, at breaking out and staying out. But this time, you know, again, you know, going to those group meetings, going to the therapist, building just building the wall thicker and thicker, and checking in on it, seeing where the cracks are forming. To me, what I've experienced with AA, that's that part of it's missing. Being able to build that wall against alcohol. You have to sit here and you have to thrash yourself over and over about how awful you were while you were an alcoholic. And I did plenty of dumb things. But at least for myself, you know, being able to move on from that. And and well, I think one of the steps in AA is, is about, you know, apologizing to people that you hurt and I've done that to a degree. Um, I, I'm sure to some to some degree I'm going through all of the steps, just not officially. 
but then having more kind of science-based support behind all of that, it, it works better for me. And so that's that's kind of some of the it's one of the things that's really important to me about uh, any sort of support program or or recovery program is is having that basis in science to where you know addiction it, it's not a weakness and AA really feels still like it's it's a weakness it's a moral failing to where you were this awful person as an alcoholic and that that part of you will always be there. Now, how do we, you know, how, how do we take the, the, the flogging, you know, um, oh God, what is it? There's a, there's a extreme Catholic sect that, you know, instead of, you know, saying prayers to offer penance for sins, they will, they will flail themselves like Jesus was, which sounds pretty awful. And that to me doesn't seem healthy in being able to move on. You know, it's, I, Last night I watched uh, Mr. Megorium's Wonder Emporium. And and part of that movie was that there's chapters in life. And and I, I, I love that concept that, yeah, there's absolutely chapters to where, you know, I, I've closed the chapter on, on, on being a drunk. Will it, will references to it still come up in later chapters? Absolutely. It's, it's, it's a story that weaves in and out. But I, I've closed that chapter. We're, we're we're done with it being a main part of this story. So let's let's move on. Let's learn how to deal with it. And some of moving on is is just stop talking about drinking. It's interesting doing these podcasts, recording these episodes. This is now the third time I've I've recorded this, and the previous two times, uh, each went on for an hour. So that's that's an hour solid of me talking, and, and really more than that because, you know, you, you cut stuff, you edit it, you you repeat all that kind of stuff, and none of it has made me want to drink near as much as an AA meeting has. And I and I think a lot of that is because I've been able to kind of compartmentalize it to where okay, that part of my life is over here. We'll check into it when we need to, when you know, when we look at the underlying things, the why of why we drink, and that's that's kind of the 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 basis in science that I've been talking about. That's that's what I like because you don't set out to be an alcoholic. It's it's not a conscious decision at any point. There's either you know some sort of trauma in your life that you never dealt with, and it just kind of keeps building upon itself. Or there's some sort of mental health thing going on to where, you know, you maybe have negative self-talk or one of the other numerous unhealthy thinking uh, things. And that's an episode I need to recover one or record one of these days. It's sitting there. I started a couple of them. Then I'm like, oh, you know, I, there's all 10 of these things kind of all fit together. So let's do a mega show. And, and then when you start writing for all that, um, it just it takes a lot. Anyway. Back to the topic at hand. You know, identifying those those whys of why you drink. For me, it was it was to sh- to get evil my brain to shut up a little bit because I had things like negative self talk. I I am my worst critic ever. I absolutely positively cannot accept compliments. 
if you give me any sort of compliment, it makes me just feel all sorts of awful and weird. Because I can sit there and then my my brain goes to, well, well, you did this wrong and you did that wrong. And and this could have been done better and all those kind of things. And so part of that, like when when I was drinking, in order to do something like this, I would think, oh, I I need to be three or four beers in before I can do that. Uh, and, and it's, it's still a bit of a struggle to where, you know, you're like, Oh God, you know, what, what am I going to talk about today? I feel like a fraud, all that kind of stuff. And having a support group that helps you identify that and work through it has been amazingly helpful. So that way, when I have the cravings, when I encounter those triggers, it's you know, the negative self-talk doesn't take over. And then all of a sudden now I'm just like, Oh, screw it. I might as well drink. I'm a terrible person. And so and so those those meetings and, and the community that you get, AA is great for that. Great community in terms of, you know, the meetings I've attended. I've probably gotten 30 different phone numbers from people saying, you know, if you never need anything, give me a call. I'm here to help. And that's awesome. I love that part of AA. And and I like how AA is, is solely focused on alcohol. Now, I mean, at the end of the day, addiction is addiction, whether it's alcohol or narcotics or gambling. You know, there's still kind of that why behind it. And if you can address that, you can get over some of these other ones. Another thing, I I don't want to have to sit here and label myself all the time as an alcoholic. I am more than a drunk, damn it. So I I want to be able to kind of build on that. You know, the other parts of my life that I, I want to shine lights on those parts of my life so they become bigger and more important and then they crowd out evil brain and it's and it's booze you know like in that movie um god i terrible memory with joy and sadness with all the emotions inside out there we go uh, the Inside Out movie, you know, to where, you know, they had the, the islands, you know, that were super important and then memories get, you know, tossed overboard and, and then there's the core memories and all that kind of stuff. You know, I want I want the core memories of, of all these other islands of woodworking and podcasting and being a father and a husband and landscaping at my house and DIY home stuff repairs and all that kind of stuff. I want all of those islands to get bigger and brighter so that way the alcohol island gets smaller and dimmer. I mean, ultimately, addiction is its basically an idea, right? Once you get an idea in your brain, it kind of sits there and festers and grows. And, and if you feed it with, with booze in this case, it will get stronger and stronger and stronger in your brain. Or if you sit there and you constantly think about it and obsess about it, it will grow bigger and stronger in your brain. That's where if you can acknowledge it, stay away from it and start building other, you know, start building those coping strategies, you know, empowering yourself to avoid the alcohol, to avoid the gambling, to avoid, you know, the loose women, whatever it is. That to me, at least for for me, that's been far more successful than than any, you know, any sitting there discussion about how. How, you know, I, I really struggled this week with, with avoiding drinking and, and, you know, God, I really wanted it on Tuesday and, 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 you know, it was there and I stood in the store and I looked at it and, and, you know, but I was, I called my sponsor and we were able to get away from it. 
you know, that's that's not giving yourself the power or, or the credit that you deserve to be able to just say no and walk away. You know, I, when I go in the store, every time I go in there, I always peek over at the at the liquor area and I say, you know, F you, you son of a beep. Strong language warning. Sorry. And I always try to try to like talk it, you know, talk bad to it basically every time. So that way, hopefully I can rewire my brain. So that way it's not that alcohol is this great thing that I miss. It's alcohol is this evil thing that is just, yeah, it tastes bad and smells bad and all that kind of stuff. And that's, that's again, that's, that's me having the power. That's not, you know, it's not a sponsor, you know, cause again, ultimately if, even if you have sponsors and family members and all kinds of support and all that kind of stuff, when it comes down to it, it's ultimately up to me to say no, to make that decision, to not buy the booze, to not drink it and move on that that support network that is super important and that's and that's again where aa is is great to where you have those people that are there in the same boat as you who understand what you're going through to be able to to call on them to lean on them and then they can lean on you and and so back and forth and all that kind of stuff so that part of it is awesome and that part i I haven't been able to find uh and i do smart recovery because that's just that's what the va does and actually I, i really like it in general um, but I, I haven't gotten that part of it from that. And it may just be the group uh, that we're in. But, you know, th- thankfully my wife has been fantastic. And especially, you know, since, since outing myself, you know, just lots of people stepping up and saying, you know, oh, you know, I'm, I'm in the same boat as you, you know, congrats on this, all that kind of stuff. And so that's that's where, and it's, it's interesting, it's interesting. A year or two ago, my wife found uh, this lady by the name of Brene Brown, I believe it is, and her big she's a she's a motivational speaker, or she she does speeches, and her big thing is is vulner, vulnerability, if I can say that word vulnerability. To where no matter what else you want to call it, well, it's courage, bravery, you know, any of those kind of things, you're still you're being vulnerable. You know, whether it's a soldier fighting a war, you know, going over the going over the top of the trench and running into machine gun fire, yeah, they're super brave, but they're also super vulnerable. And you can't be brave without being vulnerable. And you can't you can't quit alcohol without being vulnerable and opening up and saying, Yes, I have a problem, I need to defeat it. And that's where that's where the support network comes in, you know, with friends, the family. And and if and if you're one of those folks that you know, hit absolute rock bottom and you burnt every bridge known to man. You know, scorched earth, Soviets retreating in early 1942. Then it's a, a matter of getting out there and getting back into those things. And and again, that's where AA is great. Other groups, just getting back out there, finding yourself non-alcohol related activities. You know, whether it's, you know, going to church again, going... Going to the meetings, having that group around you that doesn't drink. I actually had a, had a friend today texting me saying, you know, one of the hardest things for him after he quit was finding people to hang out with that weren't drinking. And that's and that's where you know you got to go out there, you got to make yourself vulnerable to be able to tell people and say, hey, look, this is what's going on. I can't drink. You know. 
if you're hanging out with coworkers, friends, family, any of that kind of stuff, you got to open up to them. So, so that way they can be there to help support you. And if they don't support you, then it's at least for the time being, time to move on, find, find other folks. Um, and if you have good strategies for doing that, let me know. I'm a bit of an introvert. And so making new friends is, is not always easy. Another thing that, that I think really helped me in, in kicking it was, uh, was finding a, a temporary not unhealthy, which is different than healthy, and it's not unhealthy. Uh, finding a crutch to take the place of alcohol. You know, obviously you can't go from alcohol to, to crack. You know, that's not good. But can you go from, you know, like, like with me, with sparkling waters to where it's very much all the, still the same stuff. The carbonated water is not good for you, but it's certainly not bad for you. You know, it's, it, it's not going to give me cirrhosis. You know, it's not going to give me some wild and crazy cancers. And, you know, it's, it still costs money, you know, and, and um, I, I tallied up the other day. I think right now I'm at like $700 saved, which um, if, if you want to kick in the pants, yeah, calculate how much you spend every day on drinking and then multiply that by how long you've been drinking and see how much money that is. Then talk to someone who bought a house like 30, 40 years ago and realize that you could have bought two houses back then. And you have nothing to show for it other than, you know, high cholesterol, uh, an ever-expanding waistline, all that kind of stuff that comes with, comes with drinking. Good stuff. So let's get into the, the, the meat of why we're here. Finding groups other than AA. Now, this, this list that, that I have here, this is from the National Institutes of Health. Their National Institute, which it's interesting, there's a National Institute buried within a National Institute. Anyway, National Institute on Alcohol Abuse and Alcoholism, their website. Uh, so, so that's where these are all from. And then at the end, I kind of throw on a few other ideas. And, and certainly, you know, don't be afraid to think out of the box. You know, whether it's, you know, no matter what, just, just try and find some sort of, of support group that understands what you're going through. Anyway. Uh, so, so the one, and I've mentioned it before, uh, the SMART recovery. SMART stands for Smart Management and Recovery Training. And they are they really look at, again, the mental health part of it, you know, the why. You know, you drink, yes, you should stop drinking. Why do you drink? You know, what's going on there? Can, can we discuss some of that stuff? You know, what, and then... You go through and you, you talk about, you know, thinking patterns and identifying triggers and what are some strategies for all that kind of stuff. So that way, again, you can kind of build yourself, you know, you can start walling off alcohol and evil brain. Um, one thing, if you're looking just for other alcoholics, this group isn't for you because they do include other other addictions in with it. At least my group is. And, and I think I've seen to where... There are smart groups out there that focus specifically on, you know, are that focus on specific addictions. So that way, you know, if it's alcohol, if it's heroin, if it's gambling, 
whatever it is, you have, you're around people that go through the same problem um, with the same substance. The interesting thing is, at least in my group, to where, we, again, we, we have a widespread between hard drugs and gambling and drinking. A lot of the whys behind it are very similar. You know, again, you don't you don't go out and drink a twelve pack of beer every night. You don't go out there and and gamble away your entire paycheck on payday, not because it's something sustainable and something that is is socially acceptable, and it just you know that's just kind of what we do. It's because you're addicted because of something else going on in your life. Again, whether that's severe trauma, whether that's some sort of goofy brain patterns. One thing I like about them, and we've been discussing it in the last couple of weeks uh, in, in my groups, to where also finding those carrots, you know, like the carrot that makes the donkey pull the cart. Finding the carrots for quitting, for giving it up. So then that way, it's not just about, you know, thinking of all this negative stuff and all this, oh, it's you're a terrible person, it's awful. But, you know, since you quit, how much, that's that's how I found out I, I it's $700, um, looking at, okay, how much money did I spend a day times it by mo- how many days that, that I've been sober? Let's figure that out. $700. All right. What can you do with $700 right now with everything going on, put it in the savings account. Cause God only knows what's going to happen in six months or buy lots of masks. I think that'll get you about four masks. The last time I saw uh, the next one up here is uh, Life Rings Secular Recovery. Uh, so, so again, they're very science-based, but they also have, um, similar to a 12-step program that they go through. It's it's not the same steps and all of that, but the steps are are based around kind of finding that positive support, not dwelling on the negatives. So that way, you, again, you can move on with your life beyond beyond drinking. You can close that chapter and move on. Um, the seculars in the name of, uh, of the, the program, but if you are religious or want to bring religion into your recovery, uh, it, it works it in. It's, it's finding out what works for you. Cause I mean, it's, it's up to you to quit your, to quit your drug, to quit booze, to quit gambling, whatever, you know, there's, there's no program or sponsor or magic bean that will get you to stop unless you want to. And that's and that's where I was at for the last two years or eighteen months or whatever. To where I didn't I hadn't found that strong enough motivation yet to be able to power through those awful days to get to the other side. And I tried I, I tried moderating, I tried you know, limiting, you know you know, writing it down, okay, these these four beers here, they're for Monday, and then and then these three are for Wednesday. You know that kind of stuff, and none, none of that worked because the motivation, that thing to motivate me wasn't there. And then I found it, and we're able to push through. Uh, for all the ladies listening, there's uh, women for sobriety. Uh, that's a group where it, obviously women only. And I know there's at least one one guy in this group says, "Oh, why, why is it women only? Why don't we have a guys only group?" 
You know, because you just let women have their thing, and it is nice. There, there's AA. There's at least in the in the area here, there are a couple groups that meet that are men only, and it's it's nice being able to just kind of be in a group of your peers. I I never really noticed that until I got daughters. To where you know, just being able to to have you know, like-minded people, or at least people that look like you, going through what you're going through and being successful. That it, there, there's a lot of power behind that. Um, and especially in something like women, to where being an alcoholic is one thing, and then you start throwing on, okay, now being an alcoholic is in a man. Honestly, in society, it's like, oh, okay, yeah, you know, that makes sense. Then it's an alcoholic and a woman, it's like well, that's that's weird. What's what's wrong with her? There's nothing wrong with her. Nothing more wrong with her than there's wrong with me. Anyway, so so obviously I haven't checked them out at all, other than reading the website. But it's it's uh, this is from their website. So based on 13 acceptance statements that focus on positivity, responsibility for oneself, and emotional growth. The Women for Society New Life program helps women to positively change negative thought and behavior patterns in order to establish a healthier and happier life in recovery. The Women for Sobriety doctrine postulates that a person's actions directly follow their thoughts and that by changing the thoughts for the better, the resulting behaviors can be changed. That's a lot of words to just basically saying, we're looking at your mental health What's going on in your brain? Why are you drinking? And let's put some positivity into all of this. You know, you're the one driving the bus. Let's make it let's make it the best ride we can. And then the final one that was on the the NIH NIAAA website. Uh, the 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 last group that focuses on sobriety is Secular Organizations for Sobriety (SOS). Uh, their website is a very it's very modern to where there's buttons and pictures and bright colors, but not a lot of words. So, based on what I was able to look at on there, it looks like it's similar to kind of like Life Ring, Women for Sobriety, all that kind of stuff. You know, finding the positives, setting it up, what works for you, all that kind of all those kind of things. Uh, a side note, I really hate what the internet has become. Again, lots of bright colors, pictures, that kind of stuff. Not a lot of information. And oh my god, the ads. There are a lot of websites out there that are worse than the late 90s websites with ads and pop-ups. Like, no, I'm just reading this one article on your website. I don't want to sign up for your newsletter because I'm just going to fill up my junk mail folder. Uh, so, so this one... Uh, the next one here, bit of a curveball, but uh, moderation management. So for them, it's, it's not about stopping your addiction. It's just that you want to work on not losing control. So so the slide into addiction, you know, it, it starts off, and especially for myself, so, so I'll, I'll use my example. You know, it starts off where you have a couple beers once a week, twice a week. And then you start having, you know, three, four, five beers, two, three times a week. And then it's three, four, five beers every other night. And then every night. And then now we're increasing the number of beers we're having a night. 
So somewhere in the middle there, you're not yet addicted. And if you just kind of want to pause there, this group would help you. Or if you are horrifically addicted and you want to start climbing your way back up out of the hole, you know, I, I always tell my kids, if you find yourself digging a hole, number one, stop. Just stop what you're doing. And I, I think this group can help because I, I think that's what helped me a lot this time for quitting is that I start started moderating it to a degree to where, you know, maybe I wasn't able to control the number of drinks each night, but I was able to at least take, you know, every other night off or at least a couple nights a week off. And then you're like, oh, well, I took one night off. Well, can I take two nights in a row off? And then you take two nights and it's like, okay, you know, that wasn't too bad. You know, I can kind of start planning around that and building that. And it's like, oh, can I do three nights? I did that once or twice. And then finally I'm like, okay, boom, we're done. And and when I quit, it was like, okay, I know I can make it three days. All right. So, so boom, day one, day two, day three, that they're going to be easy. I can do this. I've done it before. Um, day three was, was, was a challenge. And then day four would hit me like a load of bricks. Um, and then the last group, and I guess this is the last group from, from that website. I know I said that about moderation management, but, uh, Al-Anon, uh, is it, and and maybe it's not from that web. Maybe I found it in, in other searching anyway. So it's, uh, Al-Anon is for those people that support us. So if you have some, you know, if, if you have people in your life, and they want to help you, you can turn them on to this group because so that way they kind of provide support for the people that love you. I, I liken the fight against alcohol to like fighting a war. You know, you're, you're going to have times to where you win some battles, sometimes you lose some battles, and it goes back and forth. We're the, the, the front-line troops. You know, we're the guys in the foxhole, in the trench, with the machine guns and all that kind of stuff, fighting it out. And then behind us, there's there's a support group, right? There, there's the people bringing us ammo, bringing us food and, and clothes and all that kind of stuff and patching up our boo-boos. Well, this you know, Al-Anon helps support them so they'd be like the, the, the extra rear guard. They're, they're, they're the folks back home, you know, the home front, supporting supporting the support troops. Because I know for for a lot of people, it's 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 hard to support someone who's addicted. Because then, obviously, anytime you have you have a slip up and you, and you fall back into it, the person on the other end thinks it's about them. You know, oh, you know, what did I screw up? Why don't they love me enough to do this? All that kind of stuff. And it's not, and it's, and it has nothing to do with any of that. You know the, the the wagon is 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 bumpy. There's it has square wheels and no suspension, and then you're supposed to stand up on stilts and a pogo stick and stay on the wagon. It's not easy. So anyway, so this gives them the the support that they need. Um, and so now okay, now these are just kind of going off off out in the weeds. Uh, first one, uh, if you're a veteran. Uh, the VA, check them out. Their substance use programs are all free of charge, and they can help kind of get you into a group. They also have something, it's it's basically inpatient therapy, but it's called the DOM, and it's 16-week 16 16, 16 program 
um, where you go in there, you get your medication, you have your support groups, therapy, all that kind of stuff, and then you work through it, and then you graduate, and hopefully you're you're in a better position at the end. So so definitely check them out. Um, number one step I I think for anyone looking to quit alcohol is is discussing it with your primary care physician. And if you don't have a doctor that you go see on a regular basis, you can get one. Yeah, or just go in and talk to one of them. Because there, there may be inpatient or outpatient uh, recovery programs for you. I, I know when, right before I quit, I was talking with, with my doctor. And there's it's four weeks long. You meet three nights a week for three hours. And, and it's all outpatient. So you go there and you get the support you need, discuss whatever you need to discuss, get medications, all that kind of, all those kind of things. And then it, it kind of puts you on the right road. And that was if bullnosing through it didn't work this time, I was going to do that. And then, and then kind of escalate from there. If, if the inpatient support didn't work, then well then, or out, excuse me, outpatient support didn't work. Now let's look at inpatient. So there was, there was that kind of that plan there. Also, uh, in addition to the doctor, you know, look, therapists, psychiatrists, uh, psychologists, you know, and any of those kind of people to where you can go in, talk about what's going on uh, with psychiatrists, get medication to kind of help you. Cause there, there are a few out there that help. And, and I think you have to have gone through uh, a few battles with quitting um, and, and failed at them in order to kind of get some of this medication. But Anyway, you take it and it helps reduce the cravings or makes you sick when you drink, all that kind of stuff. So so definitely check all of them out. And if you're if you're someone that, that doesn't have doesn't maybe have the money to to pay for, for a lot of these other things, the Substance Abuse and Mental Health Services Administration, uh S A M H S A, Sam Hissa, and this is one I I have a link to it in, in all of my show notes. And I'll and I'll put links to all these other groups in, in the show notes for this episode. Um, but this is an agency within the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services. Uh, and they, so the, the SAMHSA looks to promote mental health services and then also deal with addictions, and substance use disorders, that kind of stuff. So they have links and resources for local providers, state resources to help you pay for it, uh, or state resources that are paid for by the state. So that way you can get the help you need uh, without having to worry about you know how much it's going to cost. You would hate to have the reason why you can't quit drinking to be money, which it's kind of a, a circular thing there. You don't have money because you spend it on booze. Because you spend it on booze, you need help, but you can't get help because you need the money and blah, blah, you know, just kind of a, a spiral there. It's a, it's a circle. If you're going to go see a doctor, you know, a lot of times there, there's county hospitals all over the place to where, you know, if, if you don't have money, you can go in and you can talk to them without having to get the bill. Um, check out universities, you know, especially ones with, with medical programs in them. Because uh, a lot of times, you know, they may be looking for patients to help work on uh, with the students and all those kind of things. 
so yeah i mean there's there's these groups there you know uh obviously you can check out your local house of worship um they they may have groups themselves or or the the, the priest or rabbi minister uh, they may know of, of folks in their congregation that um, that are dealing with addiction as well, and that have said, "Hey, I can I can help." And and who knows? Maybe maybe for you, you know, finding religion and and turning yourself over to God, all that kind of stuff that that might work for you. Ultimately, that's that's what it is. It's what works for you. And and maybe AA works great for you. If not, you know, maybe Smart does or LifeRing or any of these. You know, once you find the right program, I think it just kind of clicks and you're like, oh, okay, this is nice. You can turn the tide of the war. You know, we, we can make this Stalingrad 1942. And now all of a sudden, nope, all the dominoes are going the other way. Evil brain, your days are numbered. Because that's, that's what we want to do. We want to be able to kind of move on from all of this. At the end of the day... No one can determine your motivations for quitting. That's that's entirely on you. And and try a few out. You know, if the first one doesn't work, you know, maybe there's a different one. Find something you do want to fight for in life. Yeah, I, I know it makes it, it it makes it easier. Doesn't make it easy. None of this has been easy for me. I will say that. But having that proper motivation and then having a support network behind you, whether it's friends, family, or com- basically complete strangers. That's another thing. You can, heck, you can go on Facebook and go on Reddit. Uh, you can go on various internet chat rooms, that kind of stuff. And you can find quit drinking groups. And you can go in there and you can talk with like-minded folks and get support and, and read stories and, and be able to kind of give yourself uh, that sort of um, support network, even if you can't necessarily get it in the real world. You know, that is one of the good things about the internet nowadays. We're all so well connected. We can find people. It's good and bad. We can find people with, you know, like-minded people and then support each other and build each other up. So with that, I bid you adieu. Let me know, you know, if if you find any of these useful or if maybe there's other ones out there that, that have been useful for you as well. Um you know, God bless you. We're we're all in this fight together. It's it's not an easy war to fight. Evil brain is is very good at what it does. But we got this. We can move on. And just know that for today, I will not drink with you. Have a good one.